Jesus, Lord God, and uh, as she comes, please welcome her sister, Pashera Faulkner. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. God is great. Y'all have a seat. Have a seat. God is great and he is greatly to be praised. And I know every time I get up here, y'all say she always hollering about praise the Lord, everybody. And what? Because God has been too good for us to sit down and not give him the praise. So when we proclaim praise the Lord, everybody, that's what we ought to do at all times. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. 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 We serve such an awesome God. And I tell you, if I didn't have to be on my job every day, I contend that I would be in a mode of praise and worship all day, every day. But until that time comes, I have to still sneak it in every now and then. <laughs> in between my clients calling, in between my clients coming in and out of the office, since I'm in the office by myself, I have my laptop set up. And I have my music going. And y'all, sometimes I get around that office and I just shout. I run around the office because I'm excited about what God has done for me. I get excited. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank God for me being here, for me being able to stand before you and proclaim what God has said. When pastor approached me on Sunday afternoon, I was like, oh Lord, I can't lie and tell him I, I won't be here because I will be. But immediately I began to pray and I, I asked the Lord, what will you have me to say? So let's bow in a word of prayer, and then I'll tell you what he gave me for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you, Lord God. Thank you for your presence, oh God. Thanking you for your spirit, Lord God, that fills this place. Yes. Lord God, I pray with all sincerity, Lord God, that you would decrease Peshera, and that your spirit, Lord God, would rise up so mightily in me, Lord God, for your people to receive, Lord God, every word that comes from my mouth. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Amen. So we get to my mom's house, as we do every Sunday, for lunch slash dinner. And I prayed and I said again, Lord, what will you have me to say? Just as quiet as y'all are, that's how quiet he was for me. <laughs> so I told my mom, I said, well, mom, we're not going to stay, you know, long today. We need to get home, and I need to prepare because I'm, I still have to work as I'm preparing. So Sunday night, showering and get ready for bed, I was like, Lord, 
Did you hear me? I got to speak with I got to have it prepared. So it was sometime early Monday morning before my alarm clock went off that I woke up. And it wasn't me jumping up with eyes wide open. I just opened my eyes. And the Lord asked me, well, what were you doing while you were waiting? And I was thinking to myself, you woke me up to ask me that. You know what I was doing. I was waiting on you to give me a word. <laughs> but he asked me, what were you doing while you were waiting? So I said, you know what, Lord? I was trusting you. I was believing you to give me what I needed for this time. So I want to use for a subject and even as a question for you all on tonight, what are you doing while you're waiting? What are you doing while you're waiting? My scripture comes from Micah, the seventh chapter and the seventh verse in the New King James Version. Micah, the seventh chapter, seventh verse, in the New King James Version. And it says, Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. This particular passage of scripture describes the prophet Micah's view of Israel's misery and demise. There were some dire circumstances happening in Israel at the time. In verse 6 of that same chapter, it reads, For son dishonors father, daughters rise against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Now, y'all know that's bad when it's not the enemy on the outside, but it's the enemy within. Micah watched as God's people turned away from him and others. For over 500 years, Israel rebelled. Micah exposed Israel's unjust economic practices. Micah knew, though, that Israel would be on the come up. He foretold about the Messiah some 700 years before Jesus was. While Israel was waiting, Micah prophesied. He told them that one day, God is going to exalt his people. While judgment had to come though, Micah prophesied about restoration. Remember in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, Ezekiel spoke about these dry bones. Let's take a look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 11 and 12. As we talk about these dry bones and its significance. So if you haven't gotten my first point, my first point while you're waiting is you need to prophesy. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Were they literally the bones? Were they literally the people of Israel? No, but you had to get that metaphorically in there. 
They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Ezekiel prophesied over the bones. My question to you is, what have you been waiting on for years and years? And you have lost hope. Truth be told, you've really even lost your faith. I contend with you that you need to prophesy to that thing, just like Micah and Ezekiel did. Michael saw the oppression all around, but he knew there was hope. Come on now. You see, there are times when I think about in 2010, when Gershom and I lost our first child. I said, okay, now, Lord, you told me that this is what you were going to do, that out of my belly would flow rivers, children out of my own belly. Then on Father's Day of 2020, we found out that we were expecting again. And we were excited. And shortly after, another miscarriage. I said, okay now, Lord, I know that your word is not going to come back to me void. And I began to lose hope as we talked to Pastor, Pastors John and Kim about the situation. And they gave us hope. So I renewed that hope. So I began to prophesy to this belly again. And you know what? In September, I'll be 50 years old, and I'm still prophesying because it's never too late. So I, I'm believing God for his promises to come to fruition. As I was preparing for this message, I studied the 44 prophecies Jesus Christ fulfilled. This particular chart that I was studying gave Old Testament scriptures as well as New Testament scriptures. But the one that caught my eye is found in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And I won't read it, but I'll just give you a synopsis. It spoke about the Messiah, that he would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. How many times have you cried yourself to sleep at night? Because you believed for something. And you thought you had it right at the tip of your finger. And it slipped away from you. How brokenhearted were you? How brokenhearted were you when that loved one passed away? But we have to have that hope. We have to have that reassurance that God is. And just like he performed back in Israel, he will perform here in St. Petersburg, Florida, or wherever you are. Because God is a good God. And none of his prophecies will, none of his prophecies will fall to the ground. Abraham waited on God. He waited for a son to become an heir. Now, mind you, I spoke about being 50 in September. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. In between the waiting, he had to trust God's word. Genesis 17 and 5 in the CEV reads, I promise you, 
that you will be the father of many nations. He said, I promise you that. <laughs> that you will be the father of many nations. Mind you, he's 100 years old. That's why I now change your name from Abram to Abraham. So not only must you prophesy, but you must also believe. The Lord made Abraham a promise. He told him that you would be a father of many nations. And although he couldn't see that, because he didn't have that promised seed yet from Sarah. He didn't have it yet. But he had to believe the word of the Lord. Can you imagine now you have your heir and you're going up to this mountain with your heir, your promised son. You get up there and the little one is following behind because he's excited about spending time with his daddy. Fathers, your sons are excited about spending time with you. So he get up there and Isaac, I can imagine, is looking around like, now where's this sacrifice? Because it's just me and my daddy. But Abraham knew that he had a promise. He knew that he had a promise. So before he could raise that knife to kill his heir, there was a ram in the bush. That ram became the ultimate sacrifice for that occasion. The Lord made Jacob a promise. When Jacob was fleeing from Beersheba, he settled down for a nap in a town. He had a dream. And in this dream, the Lord promised him that he would take care of him while he was away. Jacob believed God's promise. When I lay in the hospital, August of 2020, fighting for my life from COVID, I couldn't breathe well on my own. There were blood clots in my lungs. And all I heard for the three days and, I'm sorry, the four days and three nights that I was there was cold blue room such and such. Cold blue room such and such. And I laid there, not being able to really talk for long periods of time because I was so winded. And I was just laying there. But I looked up. And in my mind, because I couldn't get the words out, I said, Lord, you made me a promise that I was going to live to see certain things happen. And I haven't gotten there yet. So, Lord, I'm believing in your word on what you said I was going to have. So in my mind, I started saying, I shall live and not die. I am the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. I had to believe and to stand on God's word. I had to prophesy over my own life. I remember getting out of the hospital and I called the prayer line. And I said, Gershom, can you just ask them to pray for me? And that prayer did something for me. 
it stirred me up in my faith. Pastor John and Pastor Kim kept sending me text messages, and they were saying, eat by faith. And I couldn't understand it then because I had gone almost seven days with really no food. But my faith kept being stirred up. It kept being stirred up, and I had to believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I didn't have to wait to get to heaven for my body to be totally healed, but I could manifest that healing on this side. Not only must you prophesy, not only must you believe, but you must be persistent. Jacob was persistent in his quest to marry Rachel. We all know the story. Pastor even touched on this on on Sunday that he worked seven years for somebody he didn't even want. Then he worked an additional seven years because he was persistent in his quest for Rachel. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. These accounts are found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. She had this issue of blood for 12 long years. Y'all think about as, as women, we go three, four, five, sometimes six days, and we, we think life is being taken from us <laughs> in, that, in that period of time. But to go 12 years, 12 long years, I can imagine she went from doctor to doctor getting one opinion after the next opinion, prescribed this and prescribed that, and nothing seemed to have helped her. But she was persistent because she knew about a man named Jesus who was going to be coming through. And I can imagine in her frailty, she, she was walking. And she said, if I can but touch. Sometimes that's all we need is just a touch. If we can just touch the hem of his garment, then we will be made whole. But what are you doing while you're waiting? I'm reminded of the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. This woman's son became sick. Not only did he become sick, but he died. And I can imagine she was saying to Elisha, now, you know what? I didn't even ask you for this son. You told me that I would be able to bear a son. And now my child is dead? I can just imagine her right now. Mm. In verse 30, of 2 Kings chapter 4, the Shudamite woman said to Elisha, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So she went there on a mission. She knew that she was not leaving until Elisha went to where her dead son was. She was talking about Elisha doing something for her. And she was not going to leave until he did. And he got up. She was persistent. Gehazi went ahead of them to get to the house, and he did as Elisha had told him. He took the staff 
and he laid it on the child. Nothing. So when Elisha came to the house, he was baffled because he hadn't heard from the Lord that this thing was about to occur. But he went and he laid on the child. He put his mouth on that child and his hands on that child and his eyes, they were laying face to face with one another. And eventually that boy's body became warm and he lived. That mother was persistent. I think about pastor's message last night. When he talked about him and Pastor Kim, they had gone to Vegas. And at this hotel, there was a certain scent. There was a fragrance that filled the hotel when, when they walked in. And Pastor asked, where can we get this scent from? I can imagine the people got a little snooty and they said, uh-huh, you cannot purchase this anywhere. But they informed him that it was a signature scent. My question to you is, what is your signature scent while you're waiting? Can someone walk up and smell the fear on you? Can they walk up and smell your stinking attitude about what you're going through, blaming somebody else for what you're going through? What is that fragrance that exudes from you? Lastly, not only do you have to prophesy, not only do you have to believe, not only do you have to be persistent, but you have to do as God has instructed you. Joshua 1 verse 9 in the NIV. It reads, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Jesus knew that he was born to die. While he was waiting, he did some things, though. At the age of 12, he accompanied his parents and some relatives and friends to Jerusalem. When they were all ready to leave Jerusalem, of course, they did as they did come and they packed up everybody and they left. Mary and Joseph didn't notice that their child wasn't even with them. Now y'all know. When we get ready to go somewhere, we tell them, at least I know I tell McCoy, you better grab a hold of my shirt and you better not let it go until we get ready to get in the car. When we get in these people's store, don't touch nothing, don't ask for nothing. Y'all already know. I can just imagine, though, that there had to be a fragrance of fear that rose up in this mother's mind. Where is my baby? So they went back to... Jerusalem, and I'm pretty sure just as we would expect with McCoy, we would find him playing out in the yard somewhere, not even thinking, my mom and daddy left me. <laughs> Jesus asked them, though, how is it that you sought me? Like he was saying, how dare you wonder where I was? Did you not know that I must be 
in my father's house? While Jesus was waiting for this death to occur, check out some of the things that he did. He changed water into wine. This was all while he was waiting, but he had to be about his father's business. He raised people from the dead. He cleansed lepers. And mind you, I'm making plural everything that I'm saying, so it's not just one. He healed many. He caused a mute to talk. He cast out demons. He calmed the seas. He fed the multitude. He directed fishermen. He was doing something while he waited to be hung, bled, and killed for the sins of this world. He was doing something, y'all. When they nailed him to the cross, he was still doing something, y'all. He could have easily said, take me down from here, Father God. He could have said that, but he didn't. As they spat on him, he still knew that he had a work to do. Just imagine getting to the cross. He thought about my miscarriages, and he took that pain from me. He thought about my back pain, and he took that pain for me. He thought about me sitting in the doctor's office and them trying to figure out if I had bladder cancer, but he took that for me. He knew that I would have a best friend to die in her early 30s from cancer. But yet and still, he took that sting of death for me. What has he done for you? But you won't prophesy. You won't believe. You won't be persistent. You won't do the things that God has told you to do. But yet and still, you wonder, why don't I have my breakthrough yet? Why don't I have my answer yet? How often have you sought him? How often have you gotten into the word and you pulled out that scripture that was for you? And you meditated on that thing day and night. How long have you done that? How many times have you gotten on your knees to pray for somebody else's breakthrough so that you can rejoice with those who rejoice? How many times? I contend with you, not enough. Because we wouldn't be going through the hell that we're going through now if we did what's been instructed of us. I think about Naomi and Orpha and Ruth. And Naomi, she beckoned them, go on your way. My sons are dead now. But Ruth, she held close to Naomi. She was going to make sure she was doing everything that Naomi taught her how to do. 
And my single sisters, I can tell you, you will not find your bow ass sitting in the house. You will not find your bow ass at a club. You can take off the first couple letters and you will find the other part of it. That's what you may find if you're not following the instructions of, of God. But I tell you, prophesy over your life that he, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Believe the report of the Lord. Do those things that he has told you to do. When Jesus, when he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. Can you imagine the fragrance, the aroma that came down for me and for you? I want to know, EGCC, this message wasn't about pointing fingers or trying to get down on anybody, but it was to simply encourage you to stand fast in the faith and know that what God has said, he is more than able, not only more than able, but he is willing. But what are you doing while you're waiting? Amen. Technology. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Um, <laughs> give her another hand. My God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's why you can never judge a book by its cover. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a real word. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready for this next round? Y'all yeah. <laughs> in for it. <laughs> Y'all in for it. Please help me welcome Deacon Gershon Faulkner. Well, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You all can have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. You know, if I um, didn't want to be obedient, you know, I'll just uh, say let's stand and continue standing. Let's pray out. <laughs> Since we already took the offering, you know, nothing else to do. But I knew what you all were in for, and I, I'm so grateful for my lovely wife. I thank God for her every day. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, so, let's go to work. We'll bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. First and foremost, just give you thanks, O oh God. Thank you for this opportunity to serve in this capacity, O oh Lord. 
Lord, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit just dwell in this place, oh God. We know you're already here, oh God. Lord, I ask that you speak through me, oh God. Let these, your people, hear your words. Lord God, open their minds, open their hearts to hear what you have to say, oh God. Now, Lord, we, again, just thank you for this opportunity. As we stand here, we also lift up our pastors, Jonathan and Kim Anderson. As they are out, Lord, we ask that you just continue to bless them, continue to place a hedge of protection around them. And, Lord, we just continue to praise your name and thank you, Lord. These things we ask and pray your son, Jesus Christ's name. One of the things I thought about standing up here before you, and I had a history of doing something. Y'all gonna see that night. <laughs> so for our new members, a lot of times I would get up here and cry. You know, we're gonna talk about that real quick. We're gonna talk about that. But I, 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 I was thinking about that as, as I was preparing this message, and I said, you know, when that happened again, we'll see. When, you know, I'm not gonna apologize for it because. Each and every time I truly think about the goodness of the Lord, and I just think about where I came from and never imagined myself standing before God's people talking and, and, and uh, sharing God's word. See, I'm going to stop talking about that because I'm right there. <laughs> but tonight, I want to talk about perfecting our mindset, our way of thinking. Webster Dictionary defines mindset as a mental attitude or inclination, a state of mind. I have three points that I want to share with you tonight. And the first one, I think the first thing is for us to recognize the importance of our minds. And I submit to you tonight that you, you probably won't hear anything that you haven't heard before. But again, my prayer is for God to take us to a deeper level in, in regards to thinking about this. As, as I prepared for this, and my testimony actually was a little different in regards to when Pastor approached us about it. I already, Pastor said, always be prepared, right? So I already actually, God was speaking to me about something. And actually, this was some things that I was doing and dealing with but I just didn't have it all together to, to deliver. So that was my challenge. Okay, well, so now I have to put this together in a package to deliver this message. But just going back, recognize the importance of our minds. Our minds. You really think, but that's our minds. Let's go to Romans 12th chapter, second verse, the Amplified Version. Reads, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its eternal, external, superficial customs. Be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. 
for you. Again, when I say perfecting our thinking, I'm talking about to the point of truly believing you can raise someone from the dead if God tells you to do that. I mean to the point, I believe it was Smith um, Wigglesworth who was transported through prayer to another country. We hear these things and we say with our mouths that we believe it. But are we to the point in our minds, our own minds, that we can do it and let God work through us in doing that? One of the ways Webster defines perfect or to perfect is to improve or refine. So again, I'm just encouraging us tonight as I am myself. Again, I was already dealing with this. God was already dealing with me on this. Uh, again, just to, to, no matter where we are as Christians, no matter where we are in Christ, not to plateau in the area of our mindset. I think it's so easy to get to a point where we think, I've done it, you know, we get to a point where I'm doing what I know to do. I know I'm doing the right steps. Have you ever, and I thought about this, have you ever, I was trying to think of some examples, you know, I, one thought I thought of was um, McCoy, you know, <coughs> one Christmas we, we put multiple toys. I, the reason was I just got tired of wrapping all these gifts. So I said, hey, I got one big box. <laughs> and I put all in. He had so many toys. I put it in a box. The thing was, he knew it was a gift. But he didn't know all that was in there. And so he was excited just because it was another gift. But once he opened it, it had some of the largest toys that he wanted. Yeah, I think the... Um, the board that you get on and, and you, that I almost broke my neck on. But <laughs> he had, had that in there. But he had all these toys. And I think about how pastors often talk about, you know, when we go to McDonald's and use that anal analogy. And you know it's a gift, so you're looking for that gift because you know about that gift. But how about when you know about something and you're excited about something, but once you actually get it, it's way better than what you could imagine. That experience, you know, where, um, I mean, you've you ne never been to Bush Gardens before or something like that. You're just excited about going. When you get there, I mean, it's just really, you know, out of this world. It's more than what you really expected. And that's what I find the more I learn about God. You know God is good. You know all the promises of God. But once you really start digging in, <laughs> like, whoo. This is really good. <laughs> mm. So don't plateau. Science says mindset plays a significant role in determining our well-being and our achievements. Because our mindsets are responsible for our behavioral and psychological responses. Mindsets influence what we pay attention to, what we're motivated to do, how we feel and how we expect to feel, and what our bodies are prepared to do. Barbara, you know, 
I thought about you. Sister Gigi sent y'all a shirt, a picture of a shirt the other day, but I learned something else new. I don't even have to. I sent them a picture of this shirt. Said, <laughs> um, I got I remember what it said. I, I think it said something in reference to uh, getting my. That's it. Running late was my cardio. <laughs> but I learned that our minds are so powerful, we can lose weight just by thinking it. We can gain muscle according to science. I don't know. I haven't proved this. <laughs> I can gain muscle by our minds. Our minds are that powerful. I'm going to test it out. <laughs> but the Bible says our minds are powerful. Our thoughts and our beliefs shape who we are and who we will become. And our faith decides what we will do in our lives. That right there was even powerful to me. Our faith will decide what we will do in our lives. I thought about, again, the promises of God and, the, and God's will for our lives. I contend that so many of us as Christians come short of God's will for our lives. Over the test of time, I don't know any numbers, but I would say that number is very high of how many Christians have really came close to God's will for our lives. Mark, the ninth chapter and the 23rd verse says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Matthew, the ninth chapter and the 22nd verse, Jesus turned seeing her and said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Matthew, the ninth chapter and the 29th verse then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. In the Bible, belief is a golden key to make things work, including miracles. I encourage us to go higher and higher in the Lord, to be hungry for more and more of God through Jesus Christ. And again, you're not hearing anything new, but it's something when... When you're taught something and you do it, but once you do it and you really figure out, okay, how this thing really works, I think about one incident where uh, I had to learn how to tread water. So, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps and got to do a lot of little water stuff. <laughs> well, lo and behold, uh, one of the things I had to do was tread water for an hour. Not only <laughs> tread water while holding my rifle above my head. So, thing is, on land, I can run with the best of them. Pull ups, sit ups, I was good. But came to the water, I like, hold up. <laughs> I was like, brother, need a little work. Can you, can you work with me? And the thing about it, they tried to, Marine Corps tried to teach me 
how to tread water, which I did it, but it was so hard. I'll tell you why. I was focusing on my hand movements, not my legs. Tire myself out. Stand up, <laughs> but tired. Everybody else just, I'm <laughs> on top of all you tread water, they, they spraying you with these hoses of water. So as you gasping for oxygen, you're getting water all in your face. So it's hard to breathe. So, but I learned, had someone else, and it's amazing, uh, the, the person that taught me to use my legs. So to do the same thing, accomplish the same goals, but it was a different mindset now. It was a different mindset on how to do it. And it became easy. And all this time I'm thinking, wow, all this time I was working so hard, and now that I got it, it's so easy. And I want to share that in regards to our lives with Christ, our mindset with Christ. Again, we come to church, and we know we should read our Bible. We know we should, you know, do all the things that we should do. But until you really experience those greater things that God has for us, and I believe we, we've barely touched what God has for us. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me go on here. Um, I don't know about you, but God has been speaking to us a lot in recent times. A lot. And we know God is about to do some big things because he has said so. He has spoken through his prophets right here in this church. <clears throat> and we better get ready if we want to be a part of what God is doing. And we've heard that before. But again, it has a whole new meaning to me now. And I thought about this. Um, we kind of jokingly talk about, you know, being a part of a sports team, being like part of the Bucks. If I was just a janitor, every player, every person, part of the staff get a ring. But in preparing for this message, you know what God said to me? Everybody get a ring. Everybody don't get the same paycheck. That ring not going to buy me a house. That ring not going to buy me a car. Boat, like, you know, Tom Brady. <laughs> None of that. So, what we, we one of our sayings, old saying from, from watching TV is, how do we get to the yams? <laughs> now, Speaking of God speaking to us, a lot of these, um, a lot these days, one of the things I also thought about God showed me was let's look at the opposite of God not speaking to us. So just, just in preparation, again, talking about our mindset and, and why we should dig deeper and go higher. And, and the fact that the apostles have been talking to us and preparing us for things to come. And we know that's about to happen because God has been speaking. God has been speaking. The alternative in regards to not God not speaking um, took me to the 400 years of silence. Yes. Um, during that period of time, the Jews 
did not live as God had instructed them. The Israelite men mistreated their wives, married women who did not follow the Lord, refused to honor God with their giving. The priests neglected the temple and their responsibility to teach God's laws. The Jewish homeland was taken over from the Persians by the Greek Empire in 332 B.C., followed by the Egyptian occupation in 312 B.C. The Greek language came into common usage during this time, inspiring the translation of the Old Testament into the Greek, all during this 400-year period of time. The Jews continued to practice the law of Moses and the temple rituals until Syria overtook Jerusalem in 204 B.C. The Jews revolted and retook the control of Jerusalem in 165 B.C. However, the Roman Empire conquered Israel by 63 B.C. and continued to reign throughout the events of the New Testament. So all bad things happened in 400 years. So God wasn't doing that. Right? But now God is speaking. Then I, you know, said, well, why did this happen? Why did Eve let the devil deceive her? Why does bad things happen in the earth? Just like God, the devil has to work through man on earth. We allow the devil to deceive us. The devil doesn't have any power. We know this. But he has to trick us into using our own power that God has given us against ourselves. I thought about the, um, one of the martial arts. It's a keto. And in that art, you use the other person's force against themselves. So I could be a little, little bitty guy and have a, a guy that weighs twice as much as me and I could flip him because he's using his own power against him. And I was like, that's what the devil is doing to us. We got all the power. He has no power. <laughs> we, we use our own power against ourselves. <laughs> it's like, he's just flipping us on our head. And we got all the strength. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> The only power the devil has is to lie and deceive. And we blame a lot on the devil, rightfully so. But we have to start to take some responsibility here. 13, actually I learned, I think it's 14 black-on-black -black killings already this year. Compared to a total of 15 all of last year. Why do bad things happen? Those is is my boss. We were riding together, and um, one of the <clears throat> recent incidents that happened, he ended up calling the mother and talking to the mother. And he, after the phone call, he asked me, "Like, what do you think it is? Is it the economy?" And I shared with him. I said. I said, you know, we have carnal and spiritual things happening, and we allow the devil to trick us and do things. And that's, that's what's happening. 
So now that God is speaking to us, we need to lean in and hearken unto God's word with a keen ear and have understanding of God's word. Let's go back in and visit our story as we talked about the bucks. Imagine with me, if you, if you will. Let's just imagine a little bit that, you know, each one of us had a position on the bucks right now. We're doing a, this season. But imagine it this way. Being on the Bucks football team with who they are calling the GOAT, greatest of all times, Tom Brady as the quarterback. Now, I'm talking about being on the team with your current skills and abilities. So don't get so far-fetched that you're this great wide receiver. <laughs> your current skills and abilities. Now you know. Now you know. Tom Brady know what he's doing. But now you're on the team. All right? You got to get out there and run a play. They throw you in there. <laughs> so I had some funny thoughts. <laughs> I was like that. I first started playing football. Before I got good. You get thrown in the, in the game unexpectedly. <laughs> like... <laughs> As much as you want to get in the game, you've been wanting to get in the game. Now the game now, you get called. You... <laughs> so I, had a, I had some flashback. But this is my point. We're in church. We want to be blessed. We want God to use us. Let me go back to, to you in the game. So you get in the huddle. Tom Brady calls a play. Now, you don't understand the plays. Why? Because you only watch the plays on Sundays with your current skills and abilities. You ain't been to no practices. Right? Um, you ain't been to no small group meetings. I mean... No, no special team meetings, you know. So football, you know, they have the special team meetings. What my, what my athletes, you know, my football players. You know, you have the defensive backs, you know, have a meeting. You, you know, you got your line, offensive line, defensive line. Everybody had their own little meeting, you know, say, hey, all right, what's, what we're doing wrong? Let's have a little pep talk. Let's make this thing happen. So every time you go out for a pass, because you haven't been to any practice, no small team meetings, you go to one side of the field and Tom Brady throwing to the other side of the field. So you're wondering why God isn't blessing you or why you aren't increasing like others. I mean, I mean, you wonder why Tom Brady isn't throwing you the ball or why you, you know, you, you're just frustrated. It's like, man, I'm, I'm running out there. You ain't throwing me the ball. How many times have we seen that in basketball, football, sports? You see the receiver come back and having an argument with the quarterback because people got off and they're not on the same page, right? right, right, right. That's what happens. 
when we don't perfect our mindset. Ephesians, fourth chapter, 17th verse through the 24th verse, um, it's the message version, and it reads, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there being no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd, they've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. Let me just start right there. The thing that stood out for me in this was where they lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. That made me think about that scenario Player going one way, quarterback throwing another way. They're not in touch. They're not communicating. <clears throat> Continue, that scripture continues to read, but that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately produces his character in you. And I'm going to also just read a brief portion of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 18th verse. This is the Young's literal translation. And it reads, being darkened in the understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Again, we're talking about our mindset. So now we discuss first how important our minds are, and now being reminded how important our minds are, I want to give you my second point and express how important it is. We have to protect our minds. We have an eye and an ear and mouth gate that all leads to our minds. What we see leads to our minds. What we hear leads to our minds. Even what we taste leads to our minds. First John, second chapter in the 17th verse, the amplified, amplified version reads, and the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides and remains forever. I thought about, um, you know, I've been losing the craving of sugar. 
thought I would never, ever, 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 ever drink coffee black with no sugar. <laughs> I used to watch Kirkland drinking like, dude, how do you do that? I mean, you know, I have to have all the toppings and all that. I have to have all that. But give me at least two or three teaspoons, you know, two and a half, three teaspoons of sugar. And then I learned that was a lot. I'm like, really? <laughs> but we will lose those forbidden cravings if we dive into God's word. The ear gate and the eye gate are two entry points into our lives. What we see with our eyes and hear with our ears are what goes into our heart and then eventually comes out of our mouth. The Lord is calling us to guard our ear gate and eye gate. And for in doing so, we guard our heart. Then we can guard our mouth gate. What we allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear either builds us up in Christ or it brings destruction. The increase of evil we are seeing in the world predominantly due to the fact that we have not guarded the gates of our lives and the lives of our children. Specifically, again, thought about you know, some of the, a lot of the criminal activity and things that we're seeing in our community how parents, let alone not guarding their own gates, but not guarding the gates of their children. Thought about, too, again, how the professional athletes, you'll see them, and the pastor talk about this a lot, have the headphones on, and um, before a game, they're, they're in their own zone. They don't let anything distract them. And that's how we have to be with Christ. We can't allow the things of this world to penetrate our minds and influence our minds to the point that it gets us off track. I had a picture. I, it's my first time sending like my notes over to, so I don't know if I did this right. The picture um, of success If we can show that. While they're looking for that. My third point. <clears throat> we need to nurture our minds so it can grow. N nurture your mind. So it can grow strong in the Lord. Feed it God's word. And watch it bring forth fruit in our lives. We need to nurture our minds so it can grow strong in the Lord. Feed it God's word and watch it bring forth fruit in our lives. You know, in this church, we, we talk a lot about business because we fall under that mantle. And 
you know, people who work on their businesses every day or, or so, or every so often, here and there, either if they don't work on it on a regular basis, just kind of a side gig, they either never become successful or it takes them much longer to become successful. And either way, their chances of success is much smaller than those who work on their businesses every day. In business, they say the quickest way to success is to find someone who accomplished what you desire and do the same thing they did, but much faster. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. I look at us as Christians a lot like new entrepreneurs. A new entrepreneur gets excited about a business idea and start out on fire, working on their business every day, Googling every little thing. We got it? And this really leads right into what I'm talking about here. I said, going back a little bit here where we said, um, quickest way to success is to find someone who accomplished what you desire and do the same thing they did, but much faster. What we desire, at least what we say we desire as Christians, to be like Christ, right? To do the things that Christ did, right? He said that we would, right? And we said we desire to do those things. But so often, I believe that the quickest way to doing that is a straight and narrow path. Yes. Only person I know that did that was Jesus. I think most of other Christians, we, a lot of us, we get there. But the devil, we allow the devil to speak into our lives. And, and again, let me go back. The devil isn't always the one doing it. Because I thought about how when we don't feed our minds, we don't perfect our minds of the things of Christ, we allow other things in. <clears throat> so then, it's a lot like you get that new car, get that BMW. I see all these other gray BMWs. You notice things that you allow in your life. If you, and we, we witnessed this when we went to Africa. I think Pastor talked about how over there um, sex appeal was women's legs, so they had to cover their legs over here, most guys are like, okay, you know, we used to seeing women with short dresses. So our mindset, it's no big deal. Over there, women openly breastfeed. Us going over there, it's like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> mindset. So that's why I say, it's not always the devil. It originated from the devil. But because we allow our minds to 
be receptive to these things by the things we watch, the company we keep, not being protective of those gates. We notice it. You know, like, whoa, hey, that's something you into. You know, if it's nothing you into, it don't mean nothing to you. Never forget Kirkland and I in Houston. This guy watching Apple News like it's a sitcom or something. <laughs> like, like about all the Apple gadgets. Like, like really? It was kind of like the ant races to me when the TV stations used to go off. And like, you really going to sit there and watch this? <laughs> Really? That was a joke. I was like, you know, so that didn't <laughs> move forward. But we can move on from that, that map. But the quickest way is to follow Christ. And to do that, again, we know what to do. This evening, again, I'm just here to encourage you as I encourage myself. <clears throat> so I talked about, again, you know, New, as new Christians, we're a lot like those entrepreneurs, eager. We're, we're going to church um, every service. We're eager to learn more and to do things right. We have a mind and heart for the Lord. But then somewhere along the line, you start miss that one service. Um, you know, you, you used to try to watch every um, message on TV, even when you went to regular service, you, you're trying to get it all. But now you start doing some other little things. The devil creeps in, just like he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he does what he does best, start lying to us that we're just wasting our time. Same thing with entrepreneurs after that newness where I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to be successful. I'm wasting my time. I could be having fun. I could be at the beach wasting my money buying instead of giving an offering you, you devil telling you wasting your money in business you devil telling you you're just wasting your time and your money and therefore the old saying we can't see the forest for the trees can we show that one picture of, of just looking at the forest Can't see the forest for the trees. Now let, let's look at a nice aerial view of the forest. That looks much better, doesn't it? Than just we can't see the forest for the trees because we are so caught up in everyday life. The devil is always showing us the trees in our lives. That's why the world is so much. The world has to have that immediate gratification. Lust is, is all trees in our lives. Even the bad things in life like bills, relationships, keeping up with the Joneses, etc. We get caught up in all the worldly issues. It's not about black and white. These things are trees in our lives that keep us from seeing the big picture. And when I say the big picture, I mean thinking on the things of God. Those things that God would have us to think on, such as the promises of God. 
the things that God wants us to have, the dreams and desires God has given us, our businesses, whatever big things God has put on our heart and our mind to do that we don't work on daily. Let's take a little deeper look into what it means for us to perfect our minds. Our minds are one of the root issues. What can change a person completely? It's only Jesus. So, I look at children of Israel before going into the promised land, it's easy for us to look back on them and say how silly they were to come out of Egypt and not fully believe God and go into the promised land. I know we look at the outside like, man, really 40 years, y'all could have been there 40 days. <laughs> so easy to look back on them and say that. But what are we doing with our lives? Are we spending 40 years to get to God's promises. It's easy to tell someone else what they should be doing or should have done. We need to learn from those who went before us and fully give ourselves unto God. There may not be any credible evidence of clairvoyance, telekinesis, ESP, or any other hoax-based abilities. But the world even says this does not mean that the mind is not capable of miracles. The mind can perform, and I mind you that this is the world saying this, the mind can perform an unimaginable feats of wonder without even considering the supernatural. With nothing more than the power of will, the will that God has given us, the brain can transform what was once considered a passive vehicle, the body, like I said, can transform it when you get those muscles. But one should not discount all other fantastic accomplishments of the mind and focus on the seemingly incredible. All the creative devices that we use now, our iPads that we're reading on today, are some of those amazing accomplishments that took the universe billions of years to develop. Your mind is by default amazing, but only if it's not squandered. So at the end of the day, what I'm saying to us is, let us not be like the children of Israel. Let's look at 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, 14th through the 16th verse. Amplified version I have here. It says, study and be eager and do not utmost to present, I'm sorry, and do your utmost to present yourself to God, approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. First, recognize Again, the importance of your mind. 
I'm going back over my points. So again, first, recognize the importance of your mind. Second, protect our minds. As a child, and I say as a child, but not that your mind is a child, but that extra care that you would take with a child. You're mindful of what your child watches. You're mindful of what your child does. You're mindful of where your child goes, who your child is with. We need to treat our minds in that same fashion. Then thirdly, we need to nurture it so it can grow strongly, as I stated earlier, to continue to feed it and watch, again, as I stated, the fruit that manifests from it. And we do all this by emerging ourselves in God's word. It's important to come to church. It's important to go to and be a part of our flight groups. It's important to read and study God's word. This is the only way to change our mindset and strengthen our mindset and be able to comprehend the things of God. Amen. 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 Y'all can do better than that. Come on now. Amen. Word like that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand here and confess. I think we were set up. What are you doing while you're waiting and perfecting your mindset? Y'all got together on this, right? Y'all got together. Lord have mercy. Wow, what a double whammy message tonight. Amen. 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 Wow. Amen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I am full. And I understand I have work to do. Amen. Amen. I, I must know what I'm doing while I'm waiting. And I have to be protect, perfecting my mindset while I'm waiting. Amen. Amen. Wow. Okay. Well, we've had the word. And then we had the word again. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Well, that is it for tonight. If all hearts and minds are settled, we will, we will pray about this. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you and we love you so much, Father God. We thank you, Lord God, that you know us in a special way. In the way, Lord God, that you prepare us, Lord God, to be in the seat of your word, Father God, that the words will fall deep within us, Lord God, that will penetrate our hearts, Father God, that they would be rooted, Lord God, that these are not words that we just casually put on the shelf, Lord God, and occasionally look at, but these are words that we put our hands on every day in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we would be able to perfect these things in our lives, Lord God, but most importantly, by doing these, we bring glory and honor to your name, Father God, because it's really all about you, Father, in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we thank you now, Lord God, for this gathering, Lord God, we continue to lift up our pastors, Lord God, in their absence in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we know that they are out working in the field right now. Father, and we just thank you for them. We praise you and bless you for them, Father God, because truly they are our gifts in this house in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we prepare to leave this place, but never your presence, oh God, we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to go with us, and Lord God, and the ways, the highways and the roadways will be prepared for safe travel in the name of Jesus, that we will reach our destinations, Lord God, and find them better than what we left them. We love you until the next time. In Jesus' name, amen.